0: Well, it's good to be with you today, and it was amazing to see Bob's story this morning. And and many of you know, as Jared just mentioned, we are in a series called the Art of Being, and we and we are looking at what does it really look like to be all of who Jesus created us to be. The first week in this series, we looked at how to be in a relationship with Jesus. Last week, we looked at how to be transforming in that relationship with Jesus. And today, as Jarrett mentioned, I wanna look at how to be in biblical community with one another and how that shapes our being. I believe that deep within the hardwiring of every single person in this room, every single human being, is the desire to be connected to others. We desire to be connected, don't we? To be in life-giving, and life-receiving relationship. It's the thing that we most want, and it's a thing that we know we need, but oftentimes, if we're honest, we resist doing it, don't we? We don't even sometimes know how to do it. And never before in our world have we been able to connect with one another so quickly with the increase of social media and email and cell phones and and text messaging. um, We have an enormous amount of connections in our life with more and more people. And you would think that because of that, depression and isolation and loneliness would actually be decreasing but research indicates that people have gotten used to being alone while still being connected. People have gotten used to being alone while still being connected through these. Sherry Turkle is a professor of the Social Studies of Science and Technology at MIT, which the translation of that is she's mega smart, okay? <laughs> And she is both a psychologist and she's a techie, and she has researched extensively the effects on people that are together physically, like we are all together physically right now, but they are somewhere else, mentally and even emotionally, on a device. When you're in a meeting, and in that meeting, you know, you're with some people, but instead you're emailing, right? I'm sure none of you have ever, ever done that. When you text, or shop, or you go on Facebook when you're in a class, or or you're listening to a presentation, how parents will text and do email at breakfast and at dinner while their children complain about not having their parents' full attention. That has never, ever, ever happened in our household. but then how those children grow up and eventually do the same thing. They grow up looking at a device. And then she says the very worst people are the people that go to church and they listen to brilliant life-altering sermons. (laughs) And while they're listening to those sermons, they're all the while Googling about their next vacation that they're going to take. And what she found, actually... What she found was that even though we know that human relationships, that they're rich, that they're sometimes messy, they're sometimes demanding, that what has happened is most humans have actually started to try to manage and maintain and even clear up their human relationships with technology instead of what happens in a real-life, face-to-face exchange. And the problem with that, the reason that it is actually a problem is because with an email and texting and social media, you can edit and you can delete. You can control your connection. You can control your words, your ego. You get to present yourself as you want to be seen. So someone is not really connecting with the real you they're connecting with the projected part of you that's why no one has ever made their profile pic a picture of themselves when they first wake up in the morning right <laughs> so even though even though we are trying to connect with each other something isn't working Something isn't working, and I, I wonder how many of us have felt this tension in our lives. And it's not, it's not because social media or technology are bad. They're actually very good. I use all of these tools, and these tools are very healthy and can bring great good in our lives. But I wonder how many of us feel like we have lots of friends like we have lots of acquaintances. Like we have lots of relationships. And you even feel like perhaps you have a community. You have your people. But you wonder, do they really know you? And do you really know them? And my hunch is that deep within your desire, your desire is for being in connection to be a way of being in your life. So how do we do this? How do we actually do this? Well, I want to invite you to grab your Bible. We're going to look at one book of the Bible today. It's found in the New Testament. It's towards the end of the book. It's the book of James. It's on page 847. And this morning, we're going to literally look at two verses in the book of James together. Now, I told you it's on page 847, and we're going to start, actually, in the very first chapter at verse 22. And James is a great book. In fact, if you are, if you are new to reading the Bible, uh, this is a great book for you to start with. It's a, it's a great book of really practical teachings, and, and we're going to read some of them and study some of them today. So we're at James 1.22, and this is what James says to us. He says, do not merely listen to the word. And and what he means by the word is he means the Bible. The, The Bible is oftentimes referred to as the word of God. And so James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So don't just listen to these words. Don't just listen to a sermon. Actually do what it says, it's like looking at a fitness magazine thinking that you are now becoming healthy while you're eating a donut at the same time, right? Or it's like walking through the aisles of the container store believing that you are now automatically organized. And, and I love the container store. It's, it's an amazing store. But application, application is what makes all the difference, isn't it? Merely listening to the words of this book does nothing it comes down to the willingness to actually do something. And it's when you choose to do what Jesus says, that's when you start to transform. That's when your doing actually leads to a life of being. Your doing leads to a life of being. So what does this have to do with us being actually connected to one another? I'm gonna tell you what it has to do with that. For the next few moments, I simply want to invite you to do one thing, to listen, to listen to the word of God. I want to invite you to listen to what it looks like, and then I'm going to tell you right now what I'm going to do at the end. I'm going to invite you to do it. I'm giving you the bait and switch early. I'm going to invite you to actually do it what God's word instructs us to do when it comes to living in biblical community with one another. So, Now we're gonna move over to another part of James, okay? So flip over just a couple of pages to 849. Now we're gonna look at the fifth chapter of James. We're in the first chapter. Now we're over in the fifth chapter, page 849. So James, he starts getting really practical, right? He says, don't just listen to the words, do what it says. And he starts getting super practical on what it is that you are to do when you find yourself in certain situations. So he lists off all these different situations and then he gets to this point where he talks about about how to actually be with one another. And he says this in James 5.16. He says, here's, here's, here's what it's all about. Therefore, therefore, which whenever you see the word therefore in a Bible verse, it means I'm summing it all up here, okay? Therefore, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Confess your sins to who? Who does James say to confess your sins to? Confess your sins to God? I mean, that sounds pretty natural, right? I mean, he's a, last time I checked, pretty good person to confess your sins to, right? No? Confess your sins to your pastor? Because, you know, pastors, they, they never, ever, ever sin. At least one of our lead pastors never sins. Um. <laughs> confess your sins in some, some hushed tones late at night down on your knees, at your bedside. No, James says, confess your sins to each other. And this is how you experience healing. So to be whole, to be healed beings, James says it must include confession. That the art of being in relationship with one another will mean we experience confession with one another. Now, I know what many of you are thinking. This is exactly my issue with small groups. This is exactly why I do not sign up for them, okay? I don't want to go walking into a group where I have to share my deepest and darkest secrets with these complete strangers. Now, I'm not sure what comes to your mind when you think of confession. For me, when I Think of confession. I grew up Catholic. I'm not sure how many of you actually have some some Catholic heritage in your roots, but I grew up Catholic. And in the Catholic practice of, of faith, there's this thing called going to confession, Okay, And you go into this tiny little box and there's a priest that sits on one side of the box and there's this curtain, this camouflaged curtain in between you and the priest. You go into the other side of the box, you get down on your knees and you start to talk through the curtain and you start to say, this is the last time, you know, here was the last time I was at confession and, and here's my list of sins, Right? And you start to list off all the things that you've done wrong, you know, and I remember as a kid being terrified to do this. I remember standing in line, like, counting down and watching the other kids in front of me, like, how long they were in there and how bad they must have really been, you know, and... (laughs) And, and I remember just standing and lying, being like, oh my gosh, okay, I gotta remember. What are all the things that I did wrong? Okay, I was disobedient to my parents. How many times did I do that? How many times was I impatient with my brothers? And then I started like getting stressed out because I was like, what if I forget some of them? But the priest knows about them. It'll be like lying in the middle of actually trying to do confession. you know? And, and I, my, my pictures as a child of what confession looked like was not a very good picture. And I think for many of us, when we think about bearing our souls and, and telling our sin or, or sharing our fears or our secrets or our insecurities to another human being, I don't think many of us are running quickly to get to the front of the line to do that. I think we have a broken picture of what confession really is. And you see, confession, confession, God talks a lot about confession in the Bible. Confession is a place for you and I to come clean and to be truly ourselves. It's a place for us to come clean and to be truly ourselves, and, and yes, it oftentimes says, I, I'm gonna share with you the ways that I sin, the ways that I fall short from being perfect, but oftentimes, it's also saying, can I just be real with you? <laughs> can I be honest? Can I just let you know that yesterday, I totally blew up at my kids. I didn't want to. I didn't love them the way that I most want to love them. And will you see me for who I really am instead of the, like, the picture that I try to let you think that I am? And part of the reason why we run away from confession is because we have been running towards a much safer but a dangerous pattern in our relationships. Instead of confession, we conceal. Instead of confession, what we do is we conceal, we let people into the things that are going well, the things that we're proud of, the places where we're succeeding, the things that we're willing to post on Facebook. When it comes to our sins, though, the places where we fall short, we have mastered the art of concealing instead of the art of confessing. And James is pretty specific here about how to be in relationship with one another, how to actually taste wholeness and healing. He does not say, if you conceal your sins from one another, then you will be healed. He says, if you confess your sins one to another, you will be healed. And and concealing and confessing, they look very different in a person's life and they yield very different results. And so, the question that I have for us this morning is a very simple question. It's the question that I have for you, it's the question that I have for me. Will I confess or will I conceal? Will I confess or will I conceal? And will I hide or will I be healed? Will I confess or will I conceal? Will I hide or will I be healed? Because, you see, what we're trying to build here, what we are trying to be here at Soul City Church is a real and radical biblical community. And in a real and radical biblical community, there are actually consequences to concealing. You feel alone. You feel like no one sees you. But in a real and radical community, when you live a life of confession, you experience clearance, which is healing. Let me show you what I mean, okay? When we conceal, when you're trying to conceal yourself in a relationship, you end up spending a significant amount of time hiding. You project then you ultimately protect this kind of false version of yourself. Maybe it's some socially acceptable version. Maybe it's a self that you think everybody else wants you to be. But when you do that over time, the consequence is you end up feeling alone, and no one knows the real version of you. But if you confess, okay? If you confess, what happens in your relationships is you get to really see one another, and you get to be seen you get to reveal all of who you are. You bring your true and your real self, you bring your beauty, you bring your brokenness, you say things like, can I tell you what's really going on inside? I spent the last 10 minutes telling you about everything that I want you to think I am, but can I tell you what's really going on inside of me? And so, instead of, of hiding when we conceal, when we confess, we reveal. Another thing that happens when we're trying to conceal, we wanna always stay in control. We wanna stay in control of our version of the storyline of our life. You wanna make sure everybody knows your experience, your facts, your interpretation of the situation, your judgments, your problems with everybody else in the world. But in confession, you come open. You come with with a willingness, and instead of being in control, you actually open your hands and you trust. And you come with a willingness to see life and one another and even yourself from another perspective. The difference between concealing and confessing when you're trying to conceal fear plays a major role in your life and in your relationships. You fear am I being too much? Maybe I'm not being enough. You fear conflict, you fear rejection, you fear being alone, you fear scarcity, and the consequences of fear end up driving you into a corner of insecure isolation, but in confession in relationships we experience the clearance and the healing that comes from love. 1 John 4:18 says there's no fear in love. There's no fear in love, but perfect love, it drives out fear. And when we confess in loving community to one another how we're experiencing fear, we get to receive love. We get to have someone come and sit with us in the midst of the fear, support us in the midst of the fear. And for just a moment, look at at that list for a minute. When you look at each side, which kind of life do you want? Do you want a life where you conceal, where you hide, where you control and where you fear? Or do you want a life where you confess, where you reveal, where you trust, where you love. This past week I came into the church and... um I had about an hour and a half, I had a really packed day one day, and I had about an hour and a half to work on this message about the art of being in community, right? So I sit down, and I, I get myself all situated. I have my candle lit. I, I'm going to have good thoughts and have good, quiet music playing in the background. I'm all ready, you know, and I'm, I'm spending time, and I'm writing this message, and, you know, and I, I, get, I get as far as I can into it, and, and the hour and a half is up, and, you know, and then I've got to go into a day filled with meetings, all good meetings, but it was like back-to-back-to-back to back to back meeting with people. And the first person that I was meeting with that was on my calendar came in, and um, he's such a great guy, good friend. He's been with the church um, before, you know, before we even started. Such a, such a great guy. And, and it had been a while since we had connected with one another. We'd seen each other here on Sundays, kind of did the quick small talk in the lobby, you know, like, hey, how are you? How are your kids? How are your kids? Okay, great, see ya. You know, and like, that was all of our connection for a while. And he came in and he just said, hey, I, I just want to share some, some things that I've kind of been holding back from you. Some things where I, I've, I've been bothered and disappointed. Can I just share those with you? And he chose to come out from concealment into the light. And we had this powerful exchange and, and there were tears, and there was grace. And friends, do you know what we experienced? A moment of healing. Exactly what James says. Then my day moved on to another meeting. Jarrett and I actually both happened to be in this meeting, and we were meeting with this fantastic young couple in our church, and, and they were talking about their relationship and what was going on in their relationship. And I watched as they both chose to leave the, the, the confines of concealment And to come into the space of confession and to just share what they really desire for their relationship. What they really want it to look like. And I sat there and I watched and I thought, this is healing. This is healing. They just experienced healing. I got to watch healing in their relationship. Then that meeting got done and I went on to the next meeting. And I was meeting with another guy, great guy in our church that been here for you know a long time and and in that meeting he said you know i want to tell you about some parts of my story that i've just never had a chance to tell you and some of them i've I've kind of kept concealed from you and i watched in our meeting and in our exchange that as he chose to push concealment away and bring confession into the light we experienced healing my day was done, and it was 5 o'clock, and Jarrett and I actually had a date night planned. We were super excited, and yet I was, like, emotionally drained, right? I, I'd been in community all day long. I'd been tasting healing. I mean, you can only take so much community, right? <laughs> and, um, and I was like, maybe we should just go see a movie, you know, and we should just kind of, like, numb our brains and, you know, not talk to each other at all and, you know, like, be with each other, you know, and really romantic date night. And we both looked at each other, and we were like, no... Let's let's go and let's connect, let's talk. And we hadn't made a reservation or anything like that. And so we quick like you know found this this little restaurant to go to. We sat down in this little Mexican restaurant, and we started to share some things that were going on in our hearts. Some things that we, um, some intentionally, some unintentionally, had been concealing from each other. Things that we just hadn't brought to one another, things that we felt, some dings that we had had with one another, and we just started sharing with one another. And we literally just reached our hands out across the guacamole, (laughs) and tears were streaming down our face. As I looked at this man that I love with every part of my being, and yet I had been concealing. And he had been concealing. And not like big dangerous those of you that are writing a story right now, not big dangerous concealing things, but just we just hadn't been connected to one another. And as we brought that into confession, we tasted healing in that moment. I think the waiter thought we were like in some sort of like breakup conversation, you know. Every time he came to the table, he's like, <laughs> walking away from us. (laughs) But all throughout that day, which was so hilarious to me as I put my head on the pillow that night, I thought, you sat down this morning and you had an hour and a half to work on this message about the art of being in community. And Jeannie, you tasted it all day long. All of your exchanges. You tasted What happens when people choose to confess instead of conceal? And in a community of of transforming followers of Jesus, which is what we are trying so desperately to be, there is nowhere to hide and there's no need to hide. There's nowhere to hide and there is no need to hide because this is what Jesus brings to the center of our community. He brings peace because he is peace. He brings freedom because he is freedom. He brings love because he is love. And I suspect every one of us in this room is like, yes, I want that. I do, I really do. I want to be a part of that kind of community. But friends, wanting to be in community is very different than willing to be community. Wanting to be in this kind of community is very different from you saying, you know what, I'm going to get first in line. I'm going to be the one to bring myself first. I'm going to actually be community. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a fabulous book called um, Life Together, and he says, The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community, but the person who loves those around them will create community. And friends, community is far from perfect. Circles, small groups, far from perfect. Because community isn't God. Community is a gift from God. God. And when you let it be real and honest and even messy, and you decide that you will confess instead of conceal, look out. Look out your life. I'm telling you this. Your life will transform. And while none of us wants to hide, we all have the propensity to do it, don't we? None of us like wants to do it, but we all have a propensity to do it. And I know that because I do it. I see areas in my life where I try to hide. And I love Jesus. I love Jesus with every part of who I am. I love people. I I try to love all people really, really well. I do, I love people. And I love small groups. I love people getting in circles with one another. And I've been a part of them for years. I have tasted true and rich community with others. But I still have a propensity to conceal and to hide. And the way that I do it is I just try to lead the group. It's true. The way I conceal and the way I hide is I just say, well, I'll be the leader of the group then I can be in control (laughs) of how much concealing and how much confessing actually happens. I had a really good friend this last summer challenge me and uh, say, hey, I want to tell you about this group, um, because I think you need a group where you can actually be you, and more importantly, that you're not the leader of. And she told me about the leader of the group, and I knew of him. We would known each other a number of years ago, but had not kept any connection with one another. Um, And I didn't know anyone in the group, and no one in the group knew me. And it was just a leadership transformation kind of group. Um, So I I called the leader on the phone, and we had a quick little conversation over the phone. And I hung up the phone, and I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to join the circle. I'm going to get in the group. I'm not going to lead the group. I'm going to be in the group. And on a Monday morning in October, I walked into that group for the first time. And I can tell you, I am tasting. I am truly tasting. And let me tell you, it's delicious. (laughs) What real community looks like. What it really looks like. James says that if you confess yourself to one another, you will be healed. And friends, I've been in this group for just four months now, and I'm tasting healing. And I didn't know any of these people before I joined this group. None of them knew me. We were complete strangers with one another, and I love them. I truly love them. I don't need to be anything but myself with them. I don't need to lead them anywhere. Not once have I tried to actually take over and lead the group when we are gathering and connecting. I don't need to conceal from them. I don't need to hide. I don't need to pretend. And every one of them, I love them. I love them. And last night I was sitting in our little office downstairs where um, I write and, um, and I was reading over my message. And I, of course, got distracted by a message that came in and we've got this little um, like group on, on Facebook where you can create a group, and the leader of the group sent out a little post to everybody in our group and said, hey, everybody, I want you to cheer on Jeannie tomorrow because she told me she's going to be talking about small groups at our church, so let's all, you know, say, way to go, Jeannie. And I was sitting there in my office, and I was supposed to be reading over my notes, and one after one after one, Little messages came in, like Jeannie, we think you're awesome. Bring it, Jeannie. We we love you. And the leader chimes in and says, "Guys, I'm going. I'm going to the 8:30. Anyone else with me?" Two others said, "Okay, I'm going to go to the 11:30." None of these people come to our church, and this group is changing my life. It's changing my life. And the reason is because I am experiencing exactly what James talks about. Therefore, if you confess your sins one to another, you will be whole and you will be healed. And I told you how I was gonna end this message. So I'm gonna ask you, will you decide today to not just listen to God's word for you today, but will you do it? Will you do it? I know, confessing who you really are, it's scary, I feel all the same emotions, I get sweaty, I try to think about anything else that I can say in the moment. But you will be healed, you will be healed. And what is better than that? living a life of concealment, when you can have a life of confession, where you can live in community with one another, so will you do it? Will you actually join a group today? And will you show up to that group? And will you have real expectations of the people that are in that group? You know what? They're just as broken as you are. They're just as flawed as you are. They have things they're trying to conceal from you, just like you have things you're trying to conceal from them. You know what? Will you show up knowing that your leader is not Jesus? I looked over the entire small group list. Not one of them is Jesus. (laughs) Will you show up knowing that you're being led by a flawed human being that wants to see you connect in community and that also needs to stop concealing and let themselves be seen? So will you bring your real self, not your concealed self? And I dare you today, I dare you, I dare you to join a small group. And I am excited to see how your life will transform. Because I know it will. Because I know how mine has transformed. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you created us from the beauty of community. You are Father, Son, and Spirit. And thank you, Jesus, that you chose to live in community. You chose to do life in a circle of friends where you let them into all of what it was like to be the Son of God. And you entered into all of what it was like for them to be human. And God, thank you what you do in our lives when we choose to stop concealing and we choose to confess and when we bring ourselves from the inside out fully to you and fully to one another thank you god that what you tell us you do is you heal us and so we are a group of people saying we long to be healed we pray this in jesus name amen